I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know do 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 when the Pacers win seven in a row you can't help but wish for snow yeah not too bad not too bad what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the Pacers pod I am Brian Getting to report on the Indiana Pacers, who are, I don't know, maybe the hottest team in the NBA right now. Pacers are on, I just finished up the New York Knicks game on Sunday evening, and that makes it seven wins in a row for the Pacers. They have climbed up into third place in the Eastern Conference, um, I believe a half game behind the Bucks, and Toronto is still sitting up at, in first place. But... Um, the Pacers have been playing very good basketball of late, and in today's episode, I'm going to break down some of the most recent games, um, and to basically to get started, we had um, two really tough games that was going to be what I thought, you know, um, against the Milwaukee Bucks last Wednesday and the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday. I thought those would be two games that the Pacers um, could really measure themselves and see, you know, are they actual contenders in the Eastern Conference or all the, are or are they pretenders who just happen to be good enough to beat up on all the bad teams? Which I still, I, as much as I want to believe that the Pacers are as as uh, dangerous as the Bucks and the 76ers. I do want to believe that, and I do think that there's a chance that we are. Um, I still think that we're probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I think we're better than a team that I think we're better than everybody else in the East. Um, but the one thing that the Pacers do really well is play defense. And so when you do play defense and you have a balanced attack like the Pacers do, you're in a lot of games. And in the regular season, at least, that could... Uh, mean there's a lot of W's ahead for the Pacers, which is why I thought they would go above their um, their win total for, for what Vegas had them. I think Vegas had a, had the Pacers at like 46 and a half, if I remember right. And um, anyways, I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, the Pacers are finally starting to click here. Uh, going back to, so they had won, let's see, four in a row without Victor Oladipo. And then they were they had a home game against uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, and it was a home game for the Pacers. And we got a nice surprise when Oladipo showed up. Uh, he was dressed. He was ready to play. Uh, I think he might have played around thirty minutes or so. And uh, it was awesome having Oladipo back in the lineup against the Bucks. It was really a beatdown by the Pacers, and you know, on any given night an NBA team can get beat by any NBA team. I mean, the Golden State Warriors could lose to the Atlanta Hawks. It's just, uh, so you can't look, you can't take too much from one game, but it helps whenever the Pacers just lock down Giannis, uh, especially Thad Young. He ended up holding Antetokounmpo to 12 points and really made him kind of a non-factor. And the, the Pacers team defense was outstanding. And, um, 
they ended up killing the Bucks. I think it was 116 to 99, maybe. I think we kept them under 100 points. Um, but the Pacers beat the Bucks. They had six, we had six guys with double-figure scoring. Uh, like I said, Victor Oladipo was back. And you could tell he was just kind of working himself into shape. He was not necessarily looking to dominate the ball. Uh, in fact, he only took two shots in the first half. And uh, one of them was a three-pointer that he hit, which was really nice to see. Um, he ended up he ended that first game with just 12 points, but he did grab 10 boards. And like I said, Giannis had 12 points, and Thad Young, the man responsible, mainly responsible for that, had a career night with 25 points, 11 rebounds, five steals. Uh, the Pacers really just took advantage of the Bucks. Um, Without having with, with, took advantage of the Bucks not having Antetokounmpo on, you know, being as fierce as he normally is, and uh, it was a great win. And and then uh, so the Pacers took that win. Then they go travel to Philadelphia on that Friday night, uh, or the next Friday, and uh, it was a really tough game. So we go into Philly. Philly's obviously set with uh, their top dogs. They traded for Jimmy Butler a few weeks ago. Uh, luckily for the Pacers, Jimmy Butler was sat out that game, and so the Pacers went up against uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, JJ Redick, and then a bunch of shit players. <laughs> Not shit, but that's why. That's why this is why the Pacers beat the Bucks. Is that the or sorry, not the Bucks, but the 76ers, Is the fact that there is a steep, steep drop off from, especially when Jimmy Butler's not playing. From J.J. Redick to the 76ers' fourth best player, which I guess would be Wilson Chandler, maybe, or that Landry Shamit, that rookie. He's pretty decent. Um, but this was a very interesting game because Embiid just showed how dominant he was, and he showed us what a what a true dominant center looks like. I mean, there's just a, no denying. Embiid, uh, the Pacers had no answer for him. He he had twenty like twenty four or twenty six points and 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 at least ten rebounds in the first half alone. He was just dominating Miles Turner and really whoever the Pacers put on him. He we couldn't keep him off the offensive glass. Um, he was just getting dunk after dunk. He he was a huge problem for the Pacers, and really he's going to be a huge problem for the Pacers moving forward because I just don't know what we can do um, to, to, to uh, control him. I think if, if the 76ers would have had anybody else, especially Jimmy Butler back, uh, I think this would have been a different story. Um, but th so basically the, the 76ers jumped out onto the Pacers early, uh, led by Embiid and, and Simmons, another guy who's just, man, Simmons is, you know, 6'10", six, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, six, he plays point guard. Um, like, how are we going to guard him? I, I, you know, Philly's just got, Philly's just got some monsters, man. I, I, I uh, super jealous of having Simmons and Embiid, watching those guys play. It, they really make you nervous as an opposing fan. Um, but Joel Embiid was just, he really, he was the story, uh, dominating Miles Turner and the entire Pacers team. He ended the, he ended the game with 40 points and 22 rebounds. His paint protection was insane. Like, I don't actually end up, I don't remember how many blocks he ended up with, but 
you could just tell when the Pacers guys had the ball in the paint, um, they were thinking about Embiid, and especially the big guys. Uh, you know, Turner was a shell of himself. Uh, he ended up with just eight points and five rebounds. He only played 17 minutes. This was a game where I think, you know, I, I really like Miles Turner. He's been playing, he had been playing really well up to this point. Um, actually, I think against the Bucks, he had a really good game too. Um, but man, when he went up against Embiid, you could tell he had no, he didn't have any confidence. Well, and he, he shouldn't, I guess he shouldn't have had confidence because he was, he was getting bullied around. Um, Embiid, he, Turner was just bouncing off of Embiid. There's no slowing him down. And, um, there was an instance where uh, Embiid caught the ball in the post. He did some sort of drop step, reverse layup. Turner fouled him. Embiid throws up a high arcing layup, and it goes in. And then Embiid starts celebrating like crazy, like like only he can do to pump up Philly. This was in the first half, and um, the 76ers actually went into halftime up 10 points on the Pacers. So the momentum was, it was all Philly in the first half. Uh, and And this was... In, in the uh, during the span where Embiid was on his way to that you know twenty six point ten plus rebound first half, and he made the circus shot and one pumping up the crowd. I think Turner gets taken out of the game, and I didn't catch this during the original broadcast. I just saw this when I was looking up some Pacer news, but apparently, well, not apparently, I saw a video. So Miles Turner was on the way back on his way back to the bench, and he decides to flip off the Philadelphia crowd. He throws the bird to them. Um, I've heard that Philly fans are pretty re relentless, and so maybe somebody said something that, you know, upset baby Miles. No, I, I don't mean to call Miles baby, but you know, one of the one of my knocks on Turner is I think he's a player who's he gets too high when he's playing well, and he gets too low when he's playing bad. Um, and I, that may be just the fact that he's a young guy. Um, he's a guy that has a lot to prove. Um, but I've, I've always thought that he wears his emotions a little too, um, I don't know, a little too much out, like a little too out there. And like, he, he seems to be a little insecure when things are going wrong. Uh, and this was just no, this was another example of Embiid got the best of, of Turner big time and, and really kind of, makes you think like, oh, I, I, I don't know how we're, I don't know. Turner looks good against a lot of the guys in the league, but man, there's a huge difference between him and, him and Joel Embiid. So anyways, so Turner flips off the crowd and he ends up getting fined 15K. But I guess that's just a small price to pay. Um, I think he... He's making what seventeen million now, or next year he'll start making seventeen mil. So I guess he can afford it. But let's just hope this was a good learning experience for for Miles. I know he had a pretty good. If you look at his stats, you know, bounce back game tonight against the Knicks, um, where I think he finished with twenty three or twenty four points. I still didn't love his game, but you know, he he did score uh, and had a good bounce back game from the Philadelphia. Uh, disaster. Um, so anyways, the Pacers go into halftime against Philly down 10. And then coming out of the half, the Pacers just did exactly what they can do that makes them an elite. Uh, to, in my opinion, which the two things that make them an elite team in the Eastern Conference, they, they had on full display the second half of the Philly game. 
So they're on the road. Philly has all the momentum. And the Pacers just lock them down on defense. Um, they hold the, the 76ers to 42 points in the second half. And so obviously I think that's the number one thing that the Pacers have going for them this year, at least at this point in the season, is their defense. They they are first in the NBA in points allowed. They are, what was it? I think they were second in field goal percentage allowed. Um, yeah, second in opponent field goal percentage, first in points allowed. Uh, and so they have got the kid, they've got the ability to, to lock teams down. And there's actually a stat tonight during the Knicks game that showed the Pacers over the last six or seven games or uh, during this win streak. And you see that they're holding all these teams to 10 to 15 to 20 points less than their scoring averages on the season. So the Pacers are for real defensively. And I guess a lot of that does go back to Miles Turner. Um, but really, maybe, you know, Miles kind of anchors the defense um, around the paint because he is still getting a lot of blocks. But it really helps having Oladipo back too. So Oladipo and Thad Young, Corey Joseph, um, just a real solid defensive team. And I don't understand like the, you know, the, the schemes. Like I hear people like, like professional um, like commentators on the NBA will talk about like team defense. And I understand a little bit of that where it's like, you know, you want to make sure you're in the right position off ball. Um, and so I think the Pacers must do that really well. So um, the other thing that the Pacers showed in the Philadelphia game that makes them elite is their depth. And I think this is their, you know, right up there with defense. They had eight guys that scored eight or more points in the Philly game. And so you compare that to Philly, on the other hand, who only had three guys um, with more than eight points. So the Pacers can, they have lots of different guys that will not necessarily torch you, but, but they will, um, kill you with a thousand cuts, right? Isn't that like a, a death by a thousand paper cuts or something like that? I don't know. Maybe so. But um, that's what the Pacers do. They, they have a full team attack. And Philly was a great example of this with eight guys, you know, at eight or more points. Um, and so the Pacers end up, like I said, holding Philly to 42 in the second half. And they end up winning the game by about 10 points. Or maybe it was 10. And this was another Oladipo's second game back. You know, he looked he looked uh, about the same as he did against Milwaukee. Still pretty rusty. I think Oladipo had 14 points. Um, yeah, he had 14. So a little bit more points than he did against Milwaukee. Um, like I said, Philly didn't have Jimmy Butler. This could have been a totally different game without Jimmy Butler because... Uh, one thing Philly was definitely missing was somebody besides Simmons and Embiid and Redick that could score the ball. And uh, that's something that Jimmy Butler obviously does really well. And Philly's a scary team. I, I would not, I don't feel like um, beating Philadelphia it makes the Pacers necessarily a, a, a better team than Philly at this point in the season. It just so happens we caught them on a night when, when Butler wasn't playing. And um, but we can compete with them. That's that's the one thing that I was really wanting to see from these two games against Milwaukee and Philly is 
I wanted to see the Pacers come out and compete and not just get blown out. Like, cause that's really what I was trying to figure out is are the Pacers closer to that top echelon of the Eastern conference or are they more like Detroit and Charlotte uh, and those kind of uh, bottom tier playoff type teams. And uh, I would say, you know, they, they, they beat both, they beat they well they're on that seven game win streak so so they beat Philly they beat Milwaukee I, I definitely think that they they at least are in the conversation for for one of the top teams in the East and we'll see so they uh, they've got Toronto in uh, on Wednesday so I'm recording this Sunday night so three nights from now we've got and we got Toronto on a back to uh, on the second night of a back to back so we have. The Cavaliers at home on Tuesday night, and then we travel to Toronto to take on um, the Raptors. And so that'll be a very tough game um, and a very good game to test ourselves out again. So um, it was back a couple more things on the on the Philly game before I move on to the Knicks game tonight that happened tonight. But it was a homecoming for Thad Young. So Thad Young spent a lot of his career in Philly. And he had a great game, 26 points, 11 rebounds. He really kind of turned it on in the second half. I, th- I think he ended up with like 16 points in the second half. And uh, Oladipo kept dropping him nice dimes. Uh, so Thad, Thad, Thad Young's been playing really well. I know that he's a guy that wasn't, wasn't really exciting me. Um, and I think it's maybe because a lot of the nights, what he does doesn't show up in the box score. And, and I... I um, I I would like to be someone who doesn't care so much about as much about the box score as I as I currently do because I I mean anybody that knows anything about basketball always talks about you know how good Thad Young is um, but it's good I watching him you know it's like okay he is good the the problem that I see with him is like he's thirty he's due for a pay a, a contract like what. How much is he worth out in the in the market in the open market? You know, like the Pacers can't re-sign all these guys. So I definitely would like to see us re-sign Bojan, and I'd like to see us re-sign Corey Joseph, and maybe I maybe we need to re-sign Thad. Maybe Thad does way more for our defense and for our team than I give him credit for, and so that's something I'm going to challenge myself to do is just like pay pay more attention to Thad. The things that like stick out to me about him, which are negatives, is like all those open three pointers that he clinks off the rim. Um, but you know he does a lot of other things. So, anyways, he's been playing really well lately, and it's it's nice to have him on our team at the moment. Uh, so with that win against Philly, the Pacers actually jumped Philly in the standings. So we ended up going from fourth to third, which was where we are now. The Pacers, uh, let's see. Yeah, so now we're at 20 and 10 um, on the season because today, Sunday, we just had a home win against the Knicks. That made it our seventh win in a row. And um, the Knicks game was kind of, I don't know. I mean, we won the game, so there's no complaints, but it was a little play to the... uh, play to the level of your competition, right? And so the Knicks are obviously a pretty bad team this year with only, I think they're nine, they were nine and 21 or something was their record. And uh, it was, it was a tie game with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. 
Pacers just never could really could re- never really pull away. The Knicks never got they may have taken the lead a few times, but never by more than a possession or two. Uh, so the Pacers were kind of in control, but just never put the game away. And I hate those ga- types of games. Like I like to see, especially at home, just take care of business against a team that has no business keeping it close. But the one thing I will say about the Pacers and 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 this game against the Knicks showed it is when they do decide to lock it on in defense. I mean, it was incredible. There was a stretch. There was about four minutes left in the game where you could feel the intensity start to pick up again, or or the intensity was high, and the Pacers had about a four to six point lead, and the Knicks were making their push, and the Pacers just had a few possessions in a row. Um, it started one was um, Enos Cantor, who had a really good game, was in the post, and Turner had a great block shot against him. And he, he blocked it so far, it started a fast break. So Oladipo grabbed the, the block shot and was pushing it up the court, made a bonehead pass. And um, so I, it went right back the other way. So that so off of the Oladipo turnover, the Knicks were now rushing back down the court. And it's like, ah, shit. But Turner hustles all the way back on defense and blocks. I think it was Moutier. Um, Moutier taking it in for that fast break layup. Turner got the block there. And then, like a couple of possessions later, there was a, a steal by Oladipo, and then a steal by Thad Young, and just the Pacers just locked locked the Knicks down and didn't even give them a chance. And so that was great to see. Kept the Knicks under 100 points again. So um, I know I mentioned earlier that the Pacers were first in the NBA with in points allowed, and so that was basic. Um, they're at like 101, I think, is what they're averaging their opponents. So nice to see them get un- keep a, to keep a team under 100 again. And tonight was a game against the Knicks where Oladipo looked more like himself, more, looked more like the pre-injury. And he ended up with 26 points. Now, six of those were probably bunny. They were, he kept getting fouled at the end of the game and, and he was making his free throws. So that padded his stats nicely, but his his at the end of the day he ended up with 26 points, 8 boards, 7 assists. He had 5 steals. Um Oladipo also had 5 threes tonight. He shot 5 of 8 from three-point line, which was great. Um like I said, Turner had somewhat of a bounce back game after getting manhandled by Embiid um and the 76ers. Turner had like 23 or 24 points. I mentioned those couple blocks he had. And he had a nice dagger three-pointer. The game was already over, but um, he had a three-pointer towards the end of the game. That was really good, and it had the crowd off their feet. Oladipo was pumping up the crowd. It's nice to have Oladipo back because he really works the crowd. And um, I think that's probably contagious, right? Like, I was because I was thinking about it. I mean, the Pacers games are not like... I would I would assume it's probably like an average NBA um, atmosphere, it, you know, like um, I I think like Boston or or uh, Philadelphia or probably Golden State, those teams that have had success and have rich tradition. I think every night they their crowd probably brings it pretty hard. Where the Pacers crowd sometimes needs a little work, like. Um, we are good. We are a good crowd, but we need to we need to see 
I, we're kind of a reactionary crowd. So, which, I mean, all that's kind of a dumb statement, but you know what I mean? Like, it, we're not going to just stand up and start cheering because we understand that the Pacers really need to get a stop at this possession, at least not before Christmas. Maybe once we get close, definitely like, you know, when you get into the playoffs, it's another scenario. But like, so so the, the arena is not sold out by any means. I mean, it was a Sunday afternoon and you could see up in the up in the um, in the crowd in the crowd. There's a lot, there, you know, there's still quite a few empty seats. Um, so it's nice when Oladipo's back, because tonight was an example where he was really trying to work the crowd, get the crowd motivated, getting them off their seats, yelling. And that's pretty contagious, because when you see your neighbor yelling, then you start yelling. And uh, when the when the arena starts to get loud, it makes it probably will make you want to come back, I would think. And, and then also expect that the next time you come back, you're going to be able to, uh, you know, yell and uh, get fired up because that's the kind of environment. So it's nice to have a player that um, kind of pumps up the crowd and creates that environment. And um, that's one thing I like about Oladipo. Um Let's see. So that was the Knicks game. The Knicks are just kind of. Well, you know, actually, before I move off of the Knicks, it, so Turner, I, I said, had a, a bounce back game because of his scoring and he had a couple of really key block shots, that clutch three pointer. Um, but he got manhandled again down down in the paint by Enos Cantor tonight. He gave up. Uh, let's see, between there were 10 offensive rebounds between. Excuse me. Um, there were 10 offensive rebounds between Enos Cantor and Noah Vonley, and a lot of those were on... <coughs> oh, boy. Sorry, Pacer fans. Um, I think my dog is... No, it's not. I'm not going to blame that on the dog. But she is sitting behind me. I'm leaning on my chair because my princess dog is taking out the majority of my seat here. Um, so... Yeah, 10 offensive rebounds for the big guys on the Knicks. And one of the things that's like, it's obvious that this happens, but Turner is just chasing after block shots. And it's great when he gets them because I'm the first one to yell and scream and hoot and holler because uh, I love it. I love seeing him block shots. But on the other hand, he's he goes after, he probably, he, he misses a lot of block shots too. And when he jumps and he misses a block shot, even if he alters the shot enough, or to miss, or the guy just misses it in general, there's nobody there to rebound. And it's usually a real easy putback for the other team. And um, that's something that I feel like needs to be addressed and something that Miles needs to learn how to do a little bit better job of is, um, it, you know, it's the same thing as like guys that gamble for steals. It's like, okay, it's nice when you get, when you pick off that pass and get that dunk, but when you miss that, when you don't get it and you gamble, now, now you're jeopardizing the entire defense and more than likely, the other team's going to take advantage of it. And this happens all the time with Turner when he's going for block shots. So I don't know. They're just something I've noticed and something that I think that Turner needs to work on. Um, but, like, you know, a lot of negative things about Turner, but he's 22 years old. Um, I I'm still super happy. I mean, the Pacers, this necessarily, you know, this year – it's kind of like a year where we don't have a lot of pressure. Um, actually, I would say hardly any pressure. We don't have a, we don't have any pressure to to be a team that makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals. Like if we were to get to that level, that would just be 
um, a bone like gravy. I think the only pressure that the Pacers have, and really it's it would only be probably internally, but would be to win a, win a playoff series, win that get that first playoff series win this year. That would be great, and that would mean they'd have to beat you know. Uh, let's say they end up fourth or fifth in the East, they'd be playing another good team, which um, probably will end up being Milwaukee or I, I think Boston's going to end up taking the lead in the Eastern Conference, but we'll see. So I say that just because the Pacers are still young with Sabonis and Turner. So it's like I, I, I complain about some of these things, but overall I'm super excited about the Pacers. And I think, I think that, Turner is going to be a heck of a player and same with Sabonis and same with Oladipo and even Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday is a guy that came in tonight. Um, what my wife say, she called him game ready. And uh, I like that. I like that phrase for, for Aaron Holiday because he's a guy that comes in and he just acts like he's been playing basketball his entire life, which that's obviously he has. Um, but he's just not scared of the moment whatsoever. You compare that to some of the other younger guys like, I don't know, like TJ Leaf or um, what other young guys do we have? I guess not really very many that play. Anyways, it's just nice to see Holiday come in and uh, play with confidence. Um, let's see. So, yeah, so the Pacers beat the Knicks, moving, the, moving our record to 20 and 10. Third in the Eastern Conference, um, eight and ten over, or sorry, eight wins, two losses over our last ten. Probably, well, with that seven-game win streak, I know the Celtics have been on a tear lately too. The Celtics are eight and two over their last ten, so they're keeping pace with the Pacers. But Pacers went ahead of Philly, um, right on the heels of the Bucks, and um, really we've got another winnable game on Tuesday with the Cleveland Cavaliers coming to town. Got to take care of business there. And, and then we go on the road to play Toronto. And then I believe Friday night on the road at Brooklyn, which could be a tough game. Brooklyn's been, Brooklyn has been playing better of late. And it is a road game. So we'll see, though. Um, it's nice having Oladipo back. It's so nice having Oladipo back. Um, tonight we did not have... Uh, who. Um, Tyreek, Tyreek Evans was out during that Philly game. Um, Embiid landed on him. So we were out, we were without Tyreek. Uh, he, I guess they said during the broadcast tonight that he might be out against Cleveland as well. But uh, Pacers are in a good spot. They've, they've, uh, this, this seven game win streak has really, you know, it, there's a big difference between being 13 and 10 and 20 and 10. 20 and 10 is like, damn, you're legit. Um, and so we'll see. I think that we get a win against the Cavs and hopefully just play Toronto tough and then a win against Brooklyn. I'll be happy with that for this week um, before we go into Christmas. Uh, let's see. I've got anything else. That's all for the actual on-the-court stuff. One thing that I was talking about with my wife and I'd be interested to uh, find this out. I, I did a, a search before the podcast here, but without any luck. I, was, I noticed that there's hardly any players on the Indiana Pacers that, that have tattoos. So I'm, I'm wondering if the Pacers are one of the least tatted te teams in the, in the league. Uh, 
you know, you look at guys like, okay, Sabonis, none that are that I've seen. Turner, none that I can see. Oladipo, none that I can see. Collison, Thad Young, Aaron Holiday, Doug McDermott, TJ Leaf. Um, the guys that do have them, Tyreek Evans, Corey Joseph, Kyle Quinn. I don't know. So I was, I did a, I did a search to see if that's something that anybody's ever figured out. And I found some stuff, but it was from like 2014 and 2015. So nothing recent, uh, must not be something anybody cares about, but it is odd. We were playing, I noticed this whenever we were playing the wizards because the wizards, they've got guys like, well, they don't have them anymore, but Kelly Oubre, all, you know, tons of tattoos, um, Philly, for example, seen like Wilson Chandler, there's just, um, well, I will say that what I found in this article that I saw from 2014-15, at that point in the league, in the league, it was like 53% of players had had tats, and um, I would assume that that number's probably only gone up, although maybe there's more international players now, so maybe it's gone down. You know, maybe I I, it's, I would guess that maybe international players have a a lower percentage of tattoos than American players, but who knows? Anyways, just something to keep an eye out for. Um, I guess if you want or don't, <laughs> uh, let's see. That is it for the basketball section. It is, we're, let's see, eight, eight or nine days away from Christmas. Um, We've, I've got this, the start of another week here coming up, the last week before Christmas. Things really slow down at my work over the holidays. I don't know about y'all's. Um, but there's something interesting that might go on this week. I, 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 would full, I fully anticipate this happening, is that my spouse um, will most likely be interviewing for a position with my company. And uh, I'm excited about that. I think that this could be really cool. She's interviewing for a position that is, I think probably gonna be more challenging than what she's doing now. And something that will give, she will be, um, let's see, she'll be more of a decision maker rather than someone who's just kind of following what's been assigned to her. She'll be the one that's actually creating, uh, creating assignments and, and creating uh, she'll be more of an influencer. Let's put it that way. And it, it, it's kind of exciting to think about having a spouse work for, for the same company because when, like for me, when I get home from work, I don't want to talk about work, even though that's the only thing that I really have done all day long. Right? Like I go into work from 7 a.m to 5 p.m. That's what I'm doing. I get I get a, a hour lunch break in there where I usually try to go run or, you know, do something, maybe get my hair cut or oil change, you know, just whatever on my lunch break. And then when I come home, like, I don't really want to talk about work because I've already spent all this energy and effort at work. I want to do, I want to think about other things because work is not something that I want to define my life. And it can be difficult because I'm doing my thing and then my wife is also 
at work all day long and she's got her work and but it's like I don't even want to talk about my own work let alone learn or hear about her work you know um I do because I care about her and I care about what's going on with her but I don't care what's going on with her company or um you know like the little bits of drama or like the the nuances of of an office and uh because I barely care about my own. So it I think it would be interesting if we were both working for the same company because we would have that we would there would be so much overlap that it may be more fun. And that's that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I did I when I was a kid my both my parents worked for the same company for a good uh, you know, probably a solid 10 10 years of my childhood. My parents w- worked for the same company. I remember I remember them uh, riding to work together, and uh, I remember them talking about work what, uh, through in the evenings, and it was kind of cool. And so, anyways, uh, just wanted to share that. And also, one of our friends had twins uh, two weeks ago, and so today we went over and got to meet the twins and held held one of them. Um, as a 32 year old without children, it's something I think about pretty regularly is like, do I want kids? Um, am I missing out not having kids? And, you know, it's, it makes it, uh, let's see, like kind of, it makes that conversation that goes on in my head hot and heavy when you're, when you hold a, a newborn, right? Like there's something about babies that you just kind of like, geez, it's a miracle. And to think that you may be able to have your own miracle is, you know, it's very intriguing. It's very, it, it, it makes me very curious. I, I, I'd love to know like, like what, like what would my kid be like if I had a kid? Um, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, I really enjoy like the road that I'm on right now. And, um, I know that having kids would change that. And I'm not opposed to that necessarily, but, uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, my wife and I, it's something that we've always have talked about. Uh, we were married for over six years and, um, we have not had children up to this point, but, uh, it's something that you always think it's in the back of our heads, but we just keep saying, well, now's not the right time. And, We'll, we'll decide later on and, and it's still like that, but uh, you just kind of feel the heat a little bit more when you're, when you're holding the baby, you're like, all right, are you going to do this or are you not going to do this? And uh, I, I still can't make a decision on it, but uh, that's something that's going on right now. So uh, let's see, like I said earlier, the Pacers have three games this week, Cleveland, Toronto, and Brooklyn. Let's shoot for two and one. Hopefully the next time um, I'm on here, that they've got a couple wins and keep up this momentum. Uh, I'm really interested to, to watch that Toronto game. And um, we'll go from there. I hope uh, everybody's doing well. Hope everybody has a great week here. Um, get after it, you know. It's almost the holidays. Try not to coast too early. Keep your, keep your foot on the gas. That's what I'm telling myself. Um, you know, take advantage of this, this week and then enjoy the holidays. So, 
I'd like to wish everybody Merry Christmas if I'm not on here before that. Um, yeah, thanks for checking out the podcast and uh, we'll talk to you later.